Uh, well, good morning, church. Good morning, and happy new year. Happy new year. So I love this time of year. It's just great. New beginnings, new start. How many of you make new year's resolutions? Anybody a new year's resolution person? I am. I'm right there with you. I love making news resolutions. In fact, Lisa, my wife, and I, we go on a, a date night and we kind of look at our whole year and we plan and we pray and we just say, okay, God, what's going to happen this year? And try to lay out some things for us in our lives and in our family and, and just that we would be people that are following him and staying on track with him. Now, most people's New Year's resolutions, right? Most people center around, you know, dieting or exercise or, you know, food. I mean, you know, what you're going to eat or not eat or money or what you're going to spend or not spend and all those things. A couple of years ago, I was making a New Year's resolution about, you know, getting in shape and trying physically. And there was a guy in our church and he said, hey, Jeff, you know, you need to go see a personal trainer. I didn't really know how to take that. You know, I was like, okay, thanks, dude. You know what I mean? Appreciate it. Uh, but, but I thought, well, okay. I didn't really know a whole lot about personal trainers or those things. But I saw, you know, on The Biggest Loser. And I saw Jillian yelling at people. And I thought, okay, this is a little crazy. You can be a little out of hand. But, but I'll try it. And, and so I went to see this personal trainer. Right? You walk in. You, you meet this person. There's a class there, a group there. And, and the guy is, is, is jacked. You know, he's ripped. And you're thinking, wow, I'll look like that in six weeks. This is great. You know, there's no problem. So, and I just go, right. And so anyway, I thought, well, it's, it's going to be okay. And so he talked to us and he said, well, there's a process and it's going to take time. And there's a whole training regiment that you're going to do. And we're going to walk through this. And so sure enough, man, I get into it and it starts off kind of easy. And then it starts to get a lot harder. Uh, but it was great because I learned a lot. And he told us this. He said, we're going to focus on five things. We're going to focus on cardio. And then we're going to focus on your core and then your upper body and then your lower body. And then we're going to put it all together, right? And I'm thinking, yeah, that's going to be fun. And uh, sure enough, we, we went through this routine and we, we focused the first week on cardio and then on core and then upper body, lower body. A lot of you guys are in great shape. You know this kind of stuff. And, and it was a, a fantastic process. And I learned a lot and I grew a lot and, and it was hard. It was difficult and it was challenging. Now, if you made a resolution around getting physically fit, Way to go. Way to go. It's important for us. I think important for us to stay in shape physically. It's important what we eat. Those things make a difference in our lives. But here's what the Bible says. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8, it says this. For physical training is of some value. And it is. Physical training is of some value. That's important for us to take care of ourselves and to stay in good shape. But godliness has value in all things holding promise for both this life, the present life, and the life to come. So what the Bible would say is, hey, if you made that as a New Year's resolution, way to go. But listen, don't forget about godliness, right? Because godliness holds promise for both this life. And it's so true, isn't it? When you're in right relationship with God, everything else seems to make sense. I mean, you're in right relationship here, and your other relationships fall into place, you know, in just your career, in your life, and the joy and the peace that follows. It comes from this. It holds promise for both this life, but also for the life to come. In this life, this 80, 90, 100 years that we get here on this earth, it is but a vapor because there is an eternity that waits. And so as you and I grow in our relationship with God, it impacts here, but it also impacts eternity. And we get one chance, one opportunity to pour in, to make a difference for the kingdom of God. Now, I don't care how good of shape you're in, right? I mean, you can work out all the time. You can be ripped and buff and all those kind of things. But at some point, your body's going to die. At some point, your body's going to wear out. The mortality rate today, it's 100%. 
I mean, it really is. So, yeah, everybody's going to die at some point. We don't like to talk about it, but we all will. But godliness goes on in our relationship with God. And so this is exciting to me because we're beginning a brand new series today called A New Year, A New You. And in this series, we're going to talk about what it means spiritually to grow deeper in our relationship with God, to grow in godliness, to become the men and women that God created us to be. And just like physically, you know, you work on the cardio or the core or the upper body, lower body, or you work on putting it all together. Spiritually, there's some things we're going to work on. So this week, we're going to talk about faith and growing in our faith. And what does that look like in 2015? Next week, we're going to talk about prayer and our prayer life, our communication, hearing God. The third week, we're going to talk about serve. And God gave us these gifts. We are God's workmanship, as we heard read earlier. You know, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. The fourth week, we're going to talk about worship. And that worship isn't something we simply do here for, you know, 25 minutes on Sunday morning. It's a lifestyle of worship. And then we're going to put it all together and talk about missional living. And what that looks like is you and I have this call to live missionally. I'm excited about this series. And I'm really, really, really glad you're here today. Because I believe God's going to do something great in us and through us for his glory in 2015 and beyond. So let's pray together as we get started today. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you for a new year. Thank you for new opportunities before us. And Father, we don't know what's going to come our way. We really don't. And and Father, maybe today there's worry, there's anxiety. But Father, God, we know this, that you're with us. (laughs) And if you are for us, then who can be against us, oh God? We know, God, that that you have great plans for us. And so, Father, today we just want to put a stake in the ground and say we're going to grow in our faith We want to be men and women after your heart. We want to run hard after you in 2015 and beyond. And so, God, we dedicate our lives to you as your disciples today. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your love and for your grace and a new opportunity to follow you. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen, amen, amen. If you have a Bible with you this morning, I invite you up with me to the book of Mark. Mark, New Testament, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Four Gospels. And we're going to be in Mark chapter 1. Last week we concluded a great series called Jesus Changes Everything. And uh, it was powerful just talking about how Christ has changed the world, changed our homes, changed our lives. And we ended when we were just in one chapter of the Bible, Luke chapter 2. And in Luke chapter 2 it ends this way. In Luke chapter 2 verse 52 it says, And Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. So that's what we know about Jesus from age 12 to age 30. So for these 18 years, I mean Jesus grew in wisdom and stature in favor with God and man. And so now we're picking up with Jesus' earthly ministry. So we record Jesus' earthly ministry here, all four of the Gospels, but we're going to look here in Mark, and here he is, age 30, beginning his earthly ministry. In verse 14, it says, After John was put in prison. Now, who's John? Well, that's John the Baptist. So John the Baptist, who was the precursor to the Messiah, the one who came to prepare the way, the one who baptized Jesus. It says, When he was put in prison, he was put in prison by Herod who was a king at that time, it says that Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. Exclamation point, right? I mean, that Jesus went around and Jesus was preaching the gospel. And the gospel is very simple. The gospel is this, of repentance. That repentance means you're going one way and you turn back and you come to God. You're living your own life. You're living for yourself and for your own goals. And you come back to God's plan and God's ways. Repent and believe the good news. And the gospel is good news. 
I love that. The gospel is good news. It's not about religion. It's not about rituals. It's not about things you have to do or not do. It's about a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, his son. And so Jesus is going around preaching the good news, letting everybody know that God has come, that God is here. And it says, as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon. Now that is Peter, right? He's also called Peter in the the gospel, Simon Peter, uh, and his brother Andrew, casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Now, what I want you to notice is this, that Jesus called out these 12 guys, right? There's 12 disciples, ultimately. He had you know, Peter and Andrew here and James and John. Jesus would call a guy named Matthew who was a tax collector and he calls these other guys. So he comes and he calls out these 12. And Jesus comes to them, right? And he says, I'm gonna invite you to be a part of something. I'm gonna invite you because I'm gonna do something great in your lives. I'm gonna do something amazing. Now, notice that Jesus took ordinary men. These guys were fishermen. They were hardworking guys. It wasn't that Jesus went down to Jerusalem and he's going down there where all the religious people were, you know, studying the Torah and they had all the answers. It was that Jesus looked for ordinary people. I I love that, right? Because sometimes maybe you feel like you're on the outside looking in, you know, everybody knows more about the Bible you feel like than you do, or maybe, you know, they know where all the books are and you're trying to figure all that out. That's okay because Jesus came to you and Jesus came to me. And he called us, he invited us to be a part of what he's doing. I love that. Now here's the amazing part, right? Jesus meets us where we are, but Jesus loves us too much to leave us that way. Jesus meets us where we are. Jesus meets us in our sin and our brokenness. A lot of times you think, well, I got to get cleaned up to come to God. You know, you know, I'll get my life right and I'll get do all these good things. And then I'll get serious in my relationship with God. No, 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 no. Jesus came to these guys while they're fishing. Jesus came to us even in the midst of our brokenness, even in the midst of our despair, even in the midst of our worry and our anxiety. Jesus comes to us. Jesus comes to us. Jesus came to you. And Jesus knows you by name. Just like you knew them by name. But he loves you too much to leave you where you are. He invites you in this training, in this discipleship, in this plan, in this purpose to follow him. And it's a journey of faith. It's a journey of trust. It's a journey of growing in him. What did Jesus say? What was the invitation? Come, follow me. Come, follow me. It was all about Jesus. It's a relationship with Christ. Come follow me. Now, Jesus didn't say how long they were going to be gone. He didn't give them a what to bring list, right? He didn't say, you know, hey, here's our itinerary and, you know, here's all the things you're going to need. He just said, come follow me. Come on. Let me be enough for you. Find your worth and your value in me. That you're on a journey of faith. You're on a journey of trust. I think that's so powerful. You see, Jesus was preaching the gospel here, right? Repent and believe. Repent and believe the good news. But Jesus didn't just say, okay, I'm going to have an invitation and everybody come down if you want to accept me. And then, you know, you kind of live however you want to live and I'll see you when you get to heaven. Jesus wants us to give our hearts and our lives to Christ, but that's the beginning. That's not the end. Sometimes you talk to people and you say, hey, well, what's God doing in your life? And they're like, well, uh, I accepted Christ when I was eight. 
You're like, great, you're 30 now. You know, I mean, I mean, what's God doing in your life today? What's God doing in, in, your, in your marriage or in your family or in your future marriage or with your roommates or in your career? What's God doing in your life today? Because it's not just that I accept Christ and then I'm done and I'll see Jesus in heaven. It's that I live each day with Christ. Come follow me. It's a relationship with God through Jesus, his son. And then notice what he says, right? Come follow me and I will make you. I will make you fishers of men. Come follow me because I've got a great purpose for you. And this is where you are right now. But listen, I'm going to make you into something. I'm going to make you not just where you're spending your time, you know, catching scaly, nasty fish. I'm going to make you fishers of men where you're impacting people for the glory of God. Where you're making a difference in your day and your time and your generation that's going to last for eternity. Where you have a huge purpose and a huge calling. I'm going to do an incredible work in you. Come, follow me. And there's this divine moment, this holy moment, this precious moment where God's sovereignty and our obedience meet. And as God invited them, look what it says, Simon and Andrew, at once, at once they left their nets and followed him. I don't know if you underline your Bible, man, just underline those two words, at once, at once. They didn't debate, right? They didn't argue. They didn't say, well, let's discuss this for a while. They just said, that's it. That's where I'm going. I want to have a fulfilling life. I want to know peace. I want to know joy. I'm going to follow Jesus. Look what it says there about James and John. It says, without delay, he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. They said, dad, we got to go. Dad, dad, we got to go. And I bet their dad was going, you go, guys. You go. Way to go, man. You go. And they're just like diving out of the boat, man. They're heading over. We're following. Does there come a time in your life where you've just said, yes. Yes, God. I'll follow you. I'll trust you. I'll begin this journey. I want to walk with you. And not just that when you did that with a kid. That's fantastic if you did that. But that's your starting place. Are you growing in your faith today? Are you maturing in your faith? Are you becoming who God wants you to be. It's a journey and a process. And notice that Jesus didn't call them to a building. He didn't call them to a great children's program. He didn't call them to a great event. He called them to himself. Come, follow me. And the training begins. See, Jesus knew, I've got three years with these guys, right? I've got three years to pour into these guys. And I'm going to pour everything into these guys. Because after three years, Jesus knew, I'm going to dot a cross for the sins of the world. I'm going to pay the price, but I know death can't hold me down. No way. I will conquer death and I will come back and I will redeem mankind. And then I'm going to share the message as I ascend into heaven. I'm going to share the message through these guys. These are the future leaders of the church. These are the disciples who are going to carry the message to the next generation, the next generation. And so I am going to invest in them in this time because I've got a great purpose for them, just as God has a great purpose for you. And the training begins, the discipleship process of knowing and growing in their faith. I want you to see if you turn over with me to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 14. Uh, The way Jesus trains these guys in faith, the way that Jesus invites them on this journey and trains them in their faith. This incredible miracle happens in Matthew 14. It was the feeding of the 5,000. And some of you may remember that, right? Jesus is teaching and it says 5,000 men were present. 5,000 men. Now, that doesn't count for the women and the children. Some people estimate, you know, maybe 15, 20, 25,000 people were there. And, and the disciples, they come to Jesus and they say, Hey, Jesus, um, 
these guys, you know, they're, they're, they're probably hungry. Can you dismiss them so they can go get something to eat? And, and Jesus says, why don't you feed them? <laughs> like, uh, Jesus, that would take a year's worth of wages. There's no way. And he's like, well, what do you have? And they find this little kid, right? And they go, well, we got five loaves and two fish. That's all we've got. And Jesus is like, no, that's not all you got. Don't forget about me. <laughs> Don't forget that I'm here. Can you place it in my hand? And this incredible miracle is Jesus multiplies the fish and the loaves and he passes it out and feeds everybody. And this incredible miracle happens. And then look what it says in verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples. Now, if you underline, you know, underline that word made. Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. Jesus is like, I got to train these guys in faith. You know, <laughs> they didn't trust. They forgot about me. I, I got to train them. So he puts them in the boat and he sends them on the lake across. It says, after he dismissed them, they went... He went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Now, the Sea of Galilee, it's not really a sea. It's, it's more like a lake. It's a big, big, big lake. Uh, I've had the privilege to go there a few times, and it's awesome to see. But it's also surrounded by big mountains. And so storms frequently come up on the Sea of Galilee out of nowhere, right? It comes over the mountain, the wind will start blowing, and then it just, boom, it hits this, hits this lake. And I mean, there are fierce storms. There are bad storms. In fact, last time we were there, it was getting really dark and we were on a boat and uh, they, the, the captain was like, we got to get across, you know, we, we, need to, we need to move on. Well, these disciples are in the middle of the lake and the storm is coming up and it's fierce. Now notice Jesus sent them out there, Right? You know, sometimes when we're going through hard times or difficulties or storms in our lives, sometimes we go, well, God, what in the world? And yet, maybe, even in the hard times, maybe God's trying to teach us something. Maybe God's trying to grow something in us in the midst of the storms. But Jesus doesn't leave us there by ourselves, does he? It says, during the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When his disciples saw him walking on the lake. They were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Maybe you're here today and you're in a storm. Maybe life's really hard or challenging right now or difficult, maybe relationally or financially. Maybe you just need to hear these words today. Maybe you just need to hear God saying to you, take courage, exclamation point. It is I. Don't be afraid. I haven't forgotten about you. I haven't given up on you. You hold on. You hang in there. I'm growing you. I'm teaching you, but I'm with you. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. Peter walked on the water. This is the same guy, right? This is Simon Peter, the one that Jesus called. Peter's walking on the water. (laughs) But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. Now, can you see the wind? No? But he saw the wind, right? What did he do? He took his eyes off Jesus and 
He looked around at his circumstances. He looked around at the waves and he looked around at the wind. And he's like, I shouldn't be walking on water. This is crazy. What's happening? What's going on here? Can you see worry? No. But it sure keeps us up at night, doesn't it? And we lay in bed and we play out worst case scenarios in our mind. And our mind's running 100 miles an hour about this and that and all the things. And we take our mind and our focus off Jesus and we put it onto the worry. And yet 90% of worry never comes to fruition. But boy, we play it out. And the anxiety fills up within us. And Peter, he saw the wind. He saw the wind and he was afraid. And it says, in beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. Now, I love that about Peter because notice it doesn't say he tried to swim back to the boat, right? He tried to do it himself. He tried to take it under his own power, his own control. What does he do? He just calls out, Lord, save me. And immediately, if you underline your Bible, underline that word. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? You have little faith. Why did you doubt? And when they had climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. And can you imagine this huge storm happening and everything is going crazy? And Jesus reaches down and grabs Peter. And they step back in the boat and just like, calm down. <laughs> the wind and the waves just calm down. These guys are like, wow. Unbelievable. Here's what I want you to notice. This. Many times our faith grows in the storms, right? It grows in the storms. But if you and I are to see the miracle, if you and I, if you and I are to meet Jesus, what do we have to do? We've got to get out of the boat. We've got to get out of the boat. You, you see, it was only Peter who walked on water, right? The other disciples were there, but the other disciples stayed in the boat. And Peter said, you know what? I don't want to be in this boat. I want to be with Jesus. I want to be holding on to Jesus. I want to be following Jesus. And so Peter steps out, but everybody else stayed in the boat. What keeps us in the boat? Fear. Right? Lack of faith, lack of trust so many times. It, this was a powerful, powerful lesson that Jesus was teaching them because when, when Peter went down, he began to sink. And sometimes we feel like we're sinking in our lives, right? And Jesus immediately reaches out and he grabs him and he pulls him close. And then I believe that Jesus, this thing took place right there as Jesus just whispered in his ear, you have little faith. You have little faith. You, you did it. You walked on here, but you have little faith. Come on, why did you doubt and then they climbed back in the boat. And when they climbed back in, I bet the disciples were like, wow. Peter, you walked on water. <laughs> you did it. And I bet they were going, why didn't we? We had the chance. We had the opportunity. And we missed it. We blew it. But they learned about faith, about trust to follow. See, here's what I want to get. It is that spiritual growth and growing our faith, it takes place in the context of community. It takes place in the context of community. Jesus had this three-year training plan and he didn't take one disciple and go, I'm going to pour into you for three months and I'm going to pour into you for three months individually and then you three months individually. Jesus took them as a group of 12. Why? What comes with that? Two things, accountability and encouragement. Accountability and encouragement. Right? And he knew, man, these guys are going to hold one another accountable. These guys are going to encourage one another. That's where spiritual growth takes place. It's the same thing in working out, isn't it? You know, a lot of people make New Year's resolutions. And man, I'm going to get fit. And I'm going to go. And I'm going to hit the gym and all this. And, and you go in January and the gym is packed. And in February, there's nobody there, you know. Because it's like everything else comes up, right? 
you're at work and you're like, oh, I just got to work late. I got to get this project done. You know, I got to get home. I got to do this. I got to do that. And we think of every reason or excuse. Unless, unless we've got a group that we're working out with, right? And then if you have a group, then you've got some accountability. Like, man, I'm training for the country music marathon. I've got this running club and we're meeting and we've got to be there. And I know it's six in the morning and I don't want to get up. But man, I got to go because those people are expecting me. I've got to be there. There's that accountability that comes. It's the same thing spiritually, right? We need that accountability. We need that encouragement. And I believe when Peter gets back in the boat and all those guys were there, you know, and he's seeing this and they're watching that play out in their lives. That's why it's so important for us. Being at church, making that commitment, being in a small group or finding other believers around you to say, hey, walk with me, help me in this. I want to grow. Help me, you know, encourage me about my prayer life. Encourage me about my spiritual walk. We need each other. We need each other. You weren't created to be a Lone Ranger Christian. I'll just tell you that. There's a great African proverb that says this. If you want to run fast, run alone. If you want to run far, run with others. Isn't that true? And see, the Christian life is not a sprint. The Christian life is a marathon. And that's why you and I were created for community. As a church, I'm so excited about 2015. I got to tell you, I'm just pumped about what God's going to do. In two months, we're going to open brand new preschool space and children and student space. And and what's happening is God's raising up a new generation. Next week, we'll celebrate one year for our South Nashville campus. I mean, I just think about all the things that are going to happen this year. I think about what's going to happen in your life. I think about people who are going to come know Christ this year. I think about people in your family who are going to be baptized this year. I think about the mission trips that God may call you to go on or or maybe stepping out and leading a group or doing something. This is going to be an awesome year of growth. But we do it together. And we grow together because we need each other. And there's a loyalty that comes. So, So how do we, as we move into 2015, how do we prioritize Christ, right? How do we prioritize Christ in this new year? Because, guys, there's going to be a lot of things that are going to come at us. Probably you're already feeling that. A lot of things are going to aim for our time and our attention. How do we prioritize Christ in this new year? Number one is this. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. It was one of the big ten. You know? It was one that God gave the children of Israel because he knew when they went to the promised land, it was going to be so easy to get caught off guard and do all these other things. And so he said, guys, the first day of the week, first day of the week, You come and you worship me and you dedicate that time to me. The second way is this. I I believe it's God's word. You know, spending time in God's word on a daily basis. That's important. That grows our faith. That grows our trust. We have what we call the daily step. We're reading through the Bible. And so if you want to jump in, there's the app. You can jump on the Rolling Hills app. You can go to the website. But there's a plan to read through. Memorizing scripture. Right? Maybe, maybe a life verse for you or a verse for this year would be Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. But God, I don't know what's going to happen in 2015. I will make your path straight. You hold on to me. You trust in me. You follow me. All right, I'm going to memorize that verse. I'm going to hold on to that verse. I'm going to put that right here in my heart and in my head. There's a family in our church who's memorizing the book of Philippians together, just as a family. Maybe challenge one another, encourage one another. Here's the third way it's this you got to get out of the boat. You you just got to get out of the boat, you know? And, And what happens so many times is what keeps us in the boat is two things complacency, right? 
I mean, things are okay, so I'm just going to kind of stay in the boat, and I don't have to get out, and I don't have to take a step of faith. I'm just going to kind of ride out the storm. And the second thing is fear. These guys were afraid. We're afraid so many times. But it's when we get out that we see God move. So what's God going to call you to do this year? What step of faith are you looking at and saying, okay, God, maybe it's a little scary, but Father, I'm going to follow you and I'm going to trust you. Maybe for you it's baptism, right? Maybe for you it's being a part of a small group. Maybe for you it's going on a mission trip. Maybe for you it's serving. Maybe for you it's sharing your faith. I don't know, but I know in my life, I've got to continue to step, take steps of faith. I've got to continue to not get locked into the boat. And so often what we do is we say, but I get so busy, right? I'm so busy that this is the only thing I can do. I'm just so busy. Here's the fact. We're all busy. All of us are, you know? It's not about being busy. It's about priorities because we all have the same amount of time. So it's our priorities. What are we doing with our priorities? What are we going to prioritize in 2015? And the fourth one is this. Focus on Jesus. <laughs> Focus. On, as we begin this new year, as we begin this new year, you just say, okay, whatever comes this way, I'm focused on Jesus. I'm focused on Jesus. I'm going forward knowing Christ and growing deeper in my relationship with him. And if I prioritize anything else, I'm prioritizing Christ. The, the fact is this, I mean, faith, it's like a muscle. You know, it's muscle and, and you've got to work it out. You, you've, you've got to stay in shape spiritually or you get weaker. It just happens. It's a process of growth. It's a process of maturity. I grew up playing sports. And, and you know, just, I mean, coach would put us in the weight room. Coach would, you know, get us on the cardio and all those things. But I don't go, well, you know what? I played sports back in high school and I played all those things and I worked out then so I don't have to work out now because, you know, that was good enough back then. And now that I'm in my 40s, I don't really need that because I did that back then. No, 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 no. I need it even more now. You know, I need to somehow physically stay in shape, but spiritually, how are we going to grow in 2015? Spiritually, what are you going to do as you follow Christ and focus on Christ? One of my favorite chapters in the Bible is Hebrews chapter 11. And Hebrews chapter 11 is called the Faith Hall of Fame. And I mean, you go through and you read that. I mean, these were amazing men and women. I mean, people like Noah. Hey, Noah, go build a boat. What's a boat? You know, because <laughs> it's never rained before. No, no, build a boat. Okay, I'll build a boat. And you know, man, he took grief from his buddies. You know, everybody was giving him a hard time, but, but he did it. Abraham, leave, leave your country and your people and go to a land I will show you. Okay, let's go. Uh, Moses, <laughs> Moses, go back to Pharaoh and, and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. A million slaves, yeah, that's going to go over really well with Pharaoh. And I killed a guy too, by the way. I don't know if you remember that God, but I, that happened. So now you're sitting. Every one of these people, right? Rahab, I mean, all these people, these men and these women who just by faith, by faith, by faith. And you and I have this call in our lives to walk by faith and not by sight. To trust God. And when God prompts our heart to respond, it's a process. It's a growing process. Why? Because God is doing a great work in you. See, I pray 2015 is your best year yet. I really do. I pray it's your best year for you personally. I pray you grow deeper in your faith than you ever have in your life. I, I pray it's your best year in your marriage or your future marriage. I pray that you're, it's the best year you have with your kids or with your grandkids. I pray it is the best year yet. But it's going to take us following Jesus, holding on to Jesus, walking in Jesus. Because we don't know what the future holds. 
But we know who holds the future. So let's hold on to him. There's a great book called Love Does um, by a guy named Bob Goff. And uh, Bob Goff's an attorney, and, but he just loves the Lord, man. This guy is so passionate about Jesus. And he's enthusiastic. And I, I love that word enthusiasm, right? It's a Greek word, in theos, in God. Enthusiasm comes in God. And this guy who's an attorney, Bob Goff, and he, he says, I tell my clients all the time if they're going in for a deposition. And he said, in a deposition, you know, you've got all these other attorneys and they're kind of giving all these questions. He goes, it's really an intimidating time. But he said, I tell my clients when they go in to under the table, just put their hands on their knees, but put their palms up. He said, what that does then is it relaxes you. He says, you know, it just puts you at ease. He says, you open up then, you become more confident, you become more truthful. And he said, it's just so important that I tell my clients that when you're in that deposition under the table, you have your palms up. And if you don't do it, I'm going to kick you on the shin, right? Really hard because I know the difference it'll make. And yet so often, what do we do? We try to live life like this, right? I'm going to grab as much as I can. I'm going to hold on as much as I can. I'm going to fight if people get in my way. Relationally, I'm going to fight through the mess and through the storm. Instead of coming into it and saying, God, 2015, here's how I'm going to live. 2015, here's how I'm going to live. Palms up. God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to hold on to you. I'm going to walk by faith. I'm going to grow in my relationship with you. You are going to be the priority of my life. Everything in me for you. And watch what God will do. The peace, the joy, the purpose that Christ wants for you. I'm going to invite us to pray. Would you just put your palms up? I mean, if you could do that as we pray, and we dedicate 2015 to God. Could you just maybe put, them, put your hands on your knees or just put your hands out forward? But let's pray together and let's just pray open-handed to God. Father, here we are on the brink of a new year, new opportunities, Father. And, and God, we just come with palms up. God, we admit that so often we try to control things and hold on to things and make things happen on our own power. And we recognize, God, it's futile. Father, we recognize today our need of you. And so, Father, we enter into this year just saying our faith and our trust is in you and you alone. God, so often we look around at the waves, we look around at the wind and the worry and the anxiety of our life. And today, Father, we just place it all in your hands. Today, Father, we come with open hands and an open heart. Father, I pray today, maybe a day of salvation. As you are drawing people to yourself and inviting them to follow you. I pray, Father, maybe for the first time. And Father, I pray for those of us who have been disciples for a while. That God, 2015 would be our best year yet. Of following and trusting and growing in our relationship with you. It doesn't mean that storms won't come. But God, we are thankful that in the midst of the storms that you're reaching down and pulling us up. And you're holding us close to your heart. And you're walking with us every moment. May we feel your love. may, May we know your grace. May we fall in love with you even more. God, we place our lives in your hands. We place our marriage, our future marriage. We we place our children, our grandchildren, our legacy, our career, everything, Father, we give to you.
thank you for your presence today and your presence every day in our lives. We love you, Jesus. And we dedicate this new year to you. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. 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 Wow. Praise God.